Psalm 10. We probably won't get through the whole psalm tonight, just almost all of it, but the last few verses. Psalm 10. You will notice that Psalm 10 does not have a superscription. There's no little uh, description as to what uh, this psalm is about. Many uh, theologians believe that Psalm 9 and 10 go together, that they are kind of part of the same thought. And so uh, there is a division there uh, in the chapters that we have, the chapter numbers that we have applied to them, because there is a little bit of a shift, so to speak, in what's going on in, in Psalm 9 and then in Psalm 10. Uh, psalm 9, we see some mixture uh, of, of praise. I, I would say Psalm 9 is mainly a psalm of praise, but then there is some some uh, mixture of the psalmist talking about the wicked and what's going to happen to the wicked and, and how the wicked are oppressing uh, those of God. There is that, that cry for help, that plea for help. Uh, but uh, Psalm 10 uh, talks a little more about the wicked and kind of really gives us a little more detail about the wickedness that's taking place that uh, both the people of this psalmist time had to face and then uh, many people in our world today have to face these same things. But we need to examine our own lives to see if we may fall into some of the categories of the wicked. Maybe there are some of these areas possibly where there are things in our life that we need to recognize or perhaps there are some who are wicked who have come against us who are doing some of the very things that are talked about in this psalm uh, we may be experiencing in our life and we need to cry out to the Lord just as the psalmist did. So we'll pray and then we'll just go through Psalm 10. Father God, we come to you now and I thank you for these words and I pray that you would just help them to speak to us tonight. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just uh, lead and guide us that what we read and what we hear would be from you and for your glory. I pray that you just would hide me behind the cross today, dear Lord. I pray that you would just humble me and that you just would do the mighty work tonight, God, so that we can draw closer to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Verse 1. Lord, why do you stand so far away? Why do you hide in times of trouble? Now this is not an uncommon uh, thought that we see in the, in the Psalms, and we've talked about this uh, before. This is not an uncommon thought for us that in our times of difficulty that we may feel that God is far away or that God is not there, and that's not the case at all. But the psalmist here feels the same thing that we often feel, and that is that God is far away or that God has hidden Himself from us during our troubled times. Verse 2, In arrogance the wicked relentlessly pursue the afflicted. Let them be caught in the schemes they have Devise. So now we begin to kind of see the problem. It is the wicked and the, the troubles, the afflictions that they are bringing on the righteous, that the, uh, the people of God are having to experience. And it says that the wicked are, are arrogant. Verse 3, For the wicked one boasts about his own cravings. The one who is greedy curses and despises the Lord. So now we are going to begin to get a little bit of a description as to what the wicked person is like. The wicked person is one who, who boasts in what they want and their desires and what they can do. And they really don't see a need for the Lord because after all, they are usually a proud person who uh, is very full of themselves as we are going to see here in these verses to come. And all is scheming, the wicked arrogantly thinks 
There is no accountability since God does not exist. Now, your translation is probably a little different than mine. I don't really like the way uh, that my translation words this, and I think that the King James is one of the ones that probably gets it more accurate to what uh, it accurately, a- actually says there. While I think the idea of, of the mindset there of that there is no accountability and that God uh, does not exist, uh, somebody read to me the end of, of this verse in the King James. What does it say, the last few words of it? God is not in all his thoughts. And so in my translation, it seems to say so matter-of-factly that, 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 that the, the person, the wicked person, uh, doesn't even believe God exists. But in the King James, it says that he is not in his thoughts. And I think that's probably the accurate translation of this verse. And I think that that leaves some room for us to assume that perhaps the wicked person does acknowledge God exists, but they don't want to have anything to do of God. They could care less that God exists. God is not in their thoughts. God God is not is not guiding uh, what they do in their and their choices that they make in life, and so uh, there is a difference there uh, in those verses. Uh, but I think the point is the same, and that is that the wicked person does not trust in the Lord. Whether they just completely deny that God exists altogether or whether they have some acknowledge that maybe there is a master creator, but they just could care less and don't want to have anything to do with him. They are not accountable to the Lord. They do not fear the Lord. And that's a telltale sign of the wicked. That is something that's, that differentiates the righteous from the wicked. The righteous have a fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. But the wicked... Do not. They are proud. They are arrogant. They think that they have been able to do all these things and accomplish all these things, and there is no need for the Lord. Verse 9 His ways are always secure. Your lofty judgments are beyond his sights. He scoffs at all his adversaries. So he's secure in all of his ways. He's thinking, he thinks, or she thinks, the wicked person, that everything that they do, that they are secure in what they can do and in their ways. And it says that your lofty judgment, that is the judgment of the Lord, is beyond the sight of the wicked. They don't, they don't think about God's judgment. They don't see God's judgment. As to where the Christian, that is ever on our mind, that is something that, that we are very aware of God's judgment. That is something that possibly got us on the track to beginning to seek Jesus Christ, is that we got that, that healthy fear of the Lord and we realize, whoa, God is an all-powerful, almighty God who is one day going to judge the wicked, and I am wicked and that's a pretty scary thing, Lord God, forgive me for my sins. And that, that fear of the Lord, that, that, that knowledge of God's judgment and what is going to come to be uh, keeps us on track as Christians. It gets us to where we need to be. But the wicked have no fear of the Lord. They have no fear of the Lord's judgment. It is beyond them. They don't see it. They don't recognize it. They don't acknowledge it. They don't think it's ever going to be. And it's not that uncommon for us to encounter non-Christian people who say, well... When we say, well, you know, when you, when you leave this earth, where are you going to go? And they say, well, I'm not going to go anywhere. My body's just going to go in the ground, and that's going to be the end of it. There are many people in this world today that do not believe there will be an afterlife, that there will be a judgment, that they will just leave this earth, and that will be the end of it. They'll take their last breath, and their life will be over. But we as Christians, we believe differently. We believe that we who are in Christ Jesus will spend an eternity with Him, and those who are have not accepted Christ Jesus, will be eternally separated from the Lord. But the wicked do not realize and acknowledge that. 
verse 6, he says to himself, I will never be moved from generation to generation without calamity. Cursing, deceit, and violence fill his mouth. Trouble and malice are under his tongue. He waits in ambush near the villages. He kills the innocent in secret places. His eyes are on the lookout for the helpless. He lurks in secret like a lion in a thicket. He lurks in order to seize the afflicted. He seizes the afflicted and drags him in his net. So here we kind of have an idea of, of, of the heart and the mindset of the wicked. They don't care about people. Where uh, God calls His children to love people, to care about people, to look after people, to take care of people who are in need, the wicked is just exactly the opposite. God tells us to find the helpless and to give them some help, to find the hopeless and to show them some hope. But the wicked person finds the helpless and they prey on them. They try to ensnare them into traps. They try to take advantage of them. They have become so proud and they have become uh, to the point where they begin to think so highly of themselves they could care less what happens to anybody else. There is a certain selfishness that has taken place in the heart of the wicked and all they are concerned about is their needs and not the needs of others and they don't care who they have to trample on in the process just so they come out better in the end. Verse 10, So he is oppressed and beaten down. The helpless fall because of his strength. He says to himself, God has forgotten. He hides his face and will never see. So here we have this, this, this kind of uh, view of what the oppressed feels like. The oppressed is, is beaten down. He's helpless. He feels like this enemy that is over him that's bringing all this affliction to him has just beaten him down. And he says to himself, God has forgotten me. Very similar to what we see at the beginning of the psalm. Sometimes in our deepest, darkest troubles, we may sometimes feel that God has forgotten us. But it's good for us as Christians to come together to remind each other, no matter what you are going through, I can promise you that God has not forgotten you. I don't know why God sometimes allows us to go through trials as long as He does, but I know that He's got a good reason for it. And it's for our good, even if we don't understand it. And sometimes these things that we go to can help us to see things about ourselves maybe that we didn't want to see. Perhaps in the situation of Job, even as righteous as we may be, perhaps through our prolonged periods of suffering, God wants to show us that there is room for us to grow in Him, that there is room for us to trust in Him just a little more. Verse 12, Rise up, Lord God. Lift up your hand. Do not forget the afflicted. Why has the wicked person despised God? He says to himself, You will not demand an account, but you yourself have seen trouble and grief, observing it in order to take the matter into your hands. The helpless entrust himself to you. You are a helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and the evil person. Call his wickedness into account until nothing remains on it. And so the cry here, we have a description of what the wicked person is like, but the cry of the psalmist here is have mercy on yours. Have mercy on those who are oppressed. Have mercy on those who are fatherless, dear Lord. Bring justice. Let justice be served. Uh, take care of this person. Bring them to judgment. The wicked person says, I'm not going to have to be accountable to anything. Whatever I can do to better myself, whatever, whoever I have to trample on in the process, I will do it because I won't have to answer to anyone or anything. 
thing, but the righteous knows otherwise. And the wicked are in for a rude awakening. Because as the psalm says, while they may have the attitude that one that they will never have to give an account, one day they will have to give an account. One day each and every one of us in this room will have to give an account before the Lord for our actions. And the psalmist is calling that to say, uh, calling that to our attention to say, look Lord, the wicked has this attitude, but God bring them to a place where they will be brought to justice. And we want to see that. That's our, that's our prayer. That's our plea. That's our cry in this world today because we turn on the news and we see things that take place all over the world. We see great oppression. We see great affliction that is taking place to brothers and sisters in Christ and people who just don't deserve it all over our world. And our prayer and our cry, hopefully, is, Father God, deliver those people who are, who are facing those things. Bring the ones who are doing these things to justice. And we still keep seeing these bad things going on and it seems like God's not hearing our prayers, but He is hearing our prayers. And there will come a day that justice will be served. And it's hard to be patient. It's hard to fathom. It's hard to understand how people can do these things that they do, how they can harm people. But just know that God is watching out for those who are His, that God is with the righteous, and that one day the righteous will receive a reward that is unimaginable. And one day the wicked will receive a justice that is unimaginable to them. Because many of the wicked think that they've got it all figured out. But unless we figure out Jesus Christ, we don't have it figured out. Unless we're trusting in Jesus Christ, we hadn't figured anything out because Jesus Christ is all there is. That's who we put our hope in. That's who we put our trust in. And so cling to Him. When, this, when the... When the when the, when the path you're traveling is the darkest and the affliction is extreme and you seem like it can't get any worse and that God doesn't care and that God is hiding himself from you, God is right there with you. So just cling to the cross and hang on to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you tonight and we thank you for these words. And dear Lord, we are aware of so many evils in this world, God, and we want justice to be served on our time, God. We definitely want the ones who are in harm's way to be delivered from that harm, God. And so we pray that you would do that. We pray that you would just free those who are oppressed, that you would bring uh, just comfort to them, God, the brothers and sisters in Christ who are being mistreated, who are having to give so much because they have taken a stand for you, dear Lord. I pray that you would just help them know that they are not forgotten. God, I pray that you would just give them strength. I pray that you would, even as, as wicked and evil as their captors and, and those who are against them may seem, God, I pray that you would even change their hearts, dear Lord, that you are a God of forgiveness, that somehow, some way, that you would even be able to take those people doing those evil acts and be able to change their heart, dear Lord. And so I pray that you would encourage all those who are afflicted, all those who are in trouble, God, that they would know that you have not forgotten them. And I pray that you just would be with them. Let them feel your presence. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen.